Hi, this is Alyssa McNamara-Reed, and I will be your host for the next two hours. Allow me to introduce myself. I am a certified financial planner practitioner and an investment advisor. I am co-owner of McNamara Financial Services, Inc. in Marshfield, Massachusetts. McNamara Financial is a federally registered investment advisor, and by my definition anyway, is a true family business. We work with clients like you every day, regular people that need help making sound financial decisions or people that want one less thing to worry about. I work with clients for a fee based on assets that I manage or an hourly or flat fee for creating financial plans. I am not compensated via commissions unless I have the pleasure of helping someone with their insurance needs. There are some things worth paying for and perhaps a lifetime of financial security is one of them. I of course cannot guarantee that working with me will ensure a secure financial future. McNamara on Money has been a call-in talk radio show since 1990. I love hearing from listeners and there truly are no dumb questions. In fact, I like the simple questions because everyone should have the answer to those. Just don't call me asking for the next hot investment or which market is going to outperform this year. Number one, that's not the nature of this show. And number two, I have no idea. Any advice I give to a caller is meant to be generic in nature and should be verified with his or her own financial professionals. You will hear about a variety of topics on this show that relate to investments and personal finance. We try to cover topics that people can relate to regardless of their net worth or financial situation. And of course, we try to keep it interesting. I would crunch numbers for two hours or spreadsheet cash flows because I'm a total math nerd, but that wouldn't much make for good radio. Instead, I choose to educate people on topics surrounding big financial events in life, like marriage and divorce, kids in college, death of a loved one, career changes, and of course, retirement. I once heard that it is a smart man that knows what he doesn't know. I'm sure it was my dad that said that, and I'm also sure that it applies to women. That is why I invite guests onto my show that have expertise in different areas also related to personal finance. I feel it's important to note that the opinions of these professionals are not necessarily the opinions of McNamara Financial or any of its advisors. As long as we are on the subject of disclosure, I should note that while we may discuss investments and or markets on this show, that past performance is not indicative of future results. Thanks for tuning in. Good morning. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. We are educating the investors and the homeowners of the South Shore on 95.9 FM WETD and the Merrimack Valley on 980 AM WCAP. This morning, I am in studio solo, but I have a fantastic guest via phone, David Tortolot of Homestead Mortgages. Thank you so much for being with me, David. Um, we are talking about, I was, I sort of started the show by talking about income planning and where to get income um, sort of at any time, but in particular in the middle of an economic, a time of economic uncertainty and, an, and a financial stock or financial market downturn. And so we are talking about uh, reverse mortgages and, and when they may be applicable and when they may be best utilized for people. So you still with me, David? I am. All right, awesome. So I thought we would start by, well, we already started, but I thought we would get into uh, some of the logistics. So let's say someone is 62 or older, they have equity in their home. So talking about rough guidelines, how much equity they would qualify to access and the logistics surrounding how they access it, lump sum, line of credit, as you talked about, monthly income, stuff like that. So someone is sort of committed to, I want to draw equity from my home. I think a reverse is an option because there's no traditional payment. Um, and so some of the logistics surrounding accessing the money. Absolutely. Okay. Sounds good. Um, real quick too, you just 
jog my memory, you were talking about income planning and there is a great application with reverse mortgages. So if let's just say someone set up the line of credit, okay, and then they met with you five or seven years later, a retiree, and the income that withdrawal rate seemed a little bit, um, what's the word I'm looking for? A little bit too high. Too high, yeah. And you were looking for other ways to readjust or find other ways for income. So if that line of credit's in place, you can call the bank up and say, I'd like to get a payment every month of, well, Alyssa said my delta is about 650 bucks. So you can make up the income planning or fix that income planning problem by turning the line of credit into a payment um, called a tenure payment or a term payment. And then you can always turn it off. So you can turn the beauty of these reverse mortgage, you can turn them off. It can just be a line of credit sitting there, Alyssa, but it can also be turned into a payment stream. So if in the future, if the income planning changes and you need to be looking for more ways to come up with more income, well, you can just say, call the bank and switch that to, it looks like your delta is about 650 bucks a month and that can direct deposit right into their bank. I figured I just mentioned that as well. Um, but so on the logistics side, so yeah, 62 is the minimum age to qualify for reverse mortgage. Uh, it has to be a primary residence home, cannot be a second home or an investment property. And there's a sliding scale. So the sliding scale is this, it's 45% to 70%. So what that is, is the amount, the percentage of the home's equity or the appraised value that someone can borrow. So if you're 62 and you own a $400,000 house, let's just keep the numbers round today, you can borrow around 200,000, 50%, okay? And if you're 90, you can borrow 70% of the 400,000. Okay, so, um, and that's the max you can borrow. So there's no maximum age uh, to okay. take out a reverse mortgage. You can be any age. You just have to be a minimum age of 62. But the most anybody can ever borrow is 70% of their home's appraised value. But from 62 up to 90, it, it goes from 45 to 70. You follow I, me on that? So. Yeah, yeah. I think it's important to note that you're talking about that 45% to 70% is of the home's equity, correct? Not the home's nope. value, no, or is it the home's value. value? And then yep. and then if there is already debt on the property, you just subtract it from that 45 correct. to 70%. Okay, thank you for that, okay. So let's use a little, let's just use a little equation. So someone owns a $400,000 house, they're 62, they have a $100,000 mortgage right now, and they qualify for 200, well, we know we're gonna extinguish $100,000 mortgage they currently have, refinance it. And the benefit there is that because a regular mortgage is being switched to a reverse mortgage, they no longer have the principal and interest payment associated with that old mortgage. So it's extra cash flow if they want to look at it and treat it that way. Um, now there's 100 left after paying off that mortgage because we started off with 200. So that 100,000 could just be set up in a line of credit, a reverse equity line of credit. So the benefit for someone 62 with a $400,000 house that can borrow 200, if they paid off a $100,000 mortgage and let's say it was $1,000 a month principal and interest payment, well, they're gonna save $1,000 a month now every month after they do the reverse mortgage in cash flow if they don't want to make a payment, but they could continue making a payment if they want. They could just make a $500 a month payment. You know, what yeah. do they want to do? There's no payment requirement. They get to pick the terms like we talked about earlier. And then the other 100,000, 
obviously we have to back costs out of that, and we'll get into the cost. Okay. We get a deduct the costs, and then the rest of the money goes into a line of credit, and that's not borrowed. Uh, so you only defer interest on reverse mortgage on the amount you borrow initially. So anything unborrowed, just it's like anything, like a credit card that's not used, it's like a home equity line that you just set up that you haven't used. You don't owe anything on it until you use it. Um, so that's that's the the math with that. I just want to before you, know, you so, b- before you go on, David. I just wanted to touch on that point you made about about the example where someone had a small mortgage and I guess is the refinance the word into a reverse mortgage. There have actually been times where I have been talking with people about utilizing a reverse mortgage, not to access additional money, but just to eliminate the mortgage payment that's right now a strain on their uh, investments because they're drawing X out, you know, then paying taxes to pay a mortgage payment. So I think there are a lot of applications for reverse mortgages, not to take more money out of someone's home, but to eliminate a payment on a mortgage that they already have. Because some Correct. people, yeah. if we analyze their you know, ex- their rate of draw and their expenses, well, we find that if they didn't have that X hundred or thousand dollar a month mortgage payment, then everything would be just fine. And their withdrawal rate from their portfolio would be just fine. Um, and so yeah. I think that that is, I think that I wish that more people would consider, tra- more people, of course, 62 or older, in retirement, I think there would be a lot of people that would benefit from transitioning their traditional mortgage into a reverse. So yeah, they're not going to be mortgage free at any point, but they can eliminate the payment, which could be a strain on their other assets or, or could be affecting their ability to spend money and enjoy life. I mean, there's a lot of people I talk about that, you know, maybe they're not, maybe they don't need to rely on a reverse mortgage to, you know, buy food, but maybe they're not able to enjoy life. Maybe they're not able to travel. Well, nobody's traveling right now, but in the future, and maybe they're not able to, you know, gift to their kids or grandkids the way they wanted to. So it can just, it can enhance quality of life also. So I think that people, I wish people would kind of expand their thinking regarding that, that they have, you know, anyone that you're talking to has hundreds of thousands of dollars in equity, you know, in their home that they can access. And if that can, number one, you know, ensure that your assets will last a sufficient amount of time, that's great. But also if it can improve the quality of life, I think that that's certainly something worth considering. Absolutely. I, you know, I meet with families a lot and usually that's plural. So I'll meet with the people, the borrowers, the homeowners that are considering it and their kids. And so I've never, nah, I shouldn't say never, probably one or two kids in the past 17 years that just did not m- want mom and dad to do a reverse mortgage, and we all know the reason why they want the money. They want, wanted the equity at the end. 99.9% of the children realize their mother and father raised them, probably put them through college in some cases, and maybe even took out a home equity line to help them out, you know, in the past if they suffered a hardship. Yep. In 2008, I've seen that many cases. So most kids are like, mom and dad, we just want you to be happy. Uh, I don't need the house. We all have our own house. Don't forget, my average age client's 70, so the kids usually have a home. Right. And most of them live out of state. So they, and it, it reassures the people, the clients, the prospective clients that are looking into it to hear that from their kids that they understand that if they live a long time, 
at the time they pass away, when they inherit the house, the kids, that there might not be equity left. Um, and that's okay with them. And once the, the homeowners understand that, they're like, all right, we're staying here the rest of our lives. Yes, we have a new mortgage. It's a reverse mortgage, but we're paying off a regular mortgage and saving ourselves $1,500 a month, which is going to make our life easy. And the kids are okay with that. But we're okay with it. We're never going to feel the fact that we have a mortgage because people don't like mortgages, Alyssa, because it comes with a mortgage payment. Right. So, But if you have a mortgage on the property and it's just there and you're going to stay in the house the rest of your life and when you pass away, the kids inherit it and they can sell it. If the sale price is higher than what is owed, meaning the parents didn't live a long time, unfortunately, then the kids get the difference. But if the parents outlive the loan and the kids inherit the property, well, there isn't any money getting uh, go, passing on to the children. But there's no debt or liability passing on to the children either because it's a non-recourse loan, which just means there's a fee paid up front, which eliminates any liability for anybody uh, with respect to the debt. The debt is backed by FHA. If there's equity left in the property when it's sold on a reverse mortgage, that goes to the estate. If there's no equity left, it doesn't. there's no equity left to go to the estate, but the bank isn't reaching out to the kids and saying, geez, we're upside down, it's a short sale, we need that other money from you guys. It was an insurance fee paid, so there's no liability with it. So that that's the worst case scenario is that if they outlive the loan, the kids might not get equity, but everybody thinks the moment you do a reverse mortgage, all the, all the house is not ours anymore, and the equity's gone. I've had many people that have unfortunately passed away, and the kids got pretty good-sized checks at closing. And so, you know, and I helped them through that process a little bit. There's not much help to do, but at least they had someone to call for guidance. Yeah. And um, two, so... Two things... It's a tool, you know, like you said. Yeah. Cool. I just People want, don't understand it. Two, two comments on that. So... I don't know the statistics, and I think I've asked uh, my aunt Sharon McNamara about this. Um, but I, I, a significant, in my experience, a very high percentage of adult children whose parents have passed sell the home, right? It's got to be like yeah. 80 to 90 percent, right? It has to be. There's not oh, that. Well, my one is almost all the time. I've had maybe one or two in 17 years. I just give you a quick example. Had a woman in situate did a reverse mortgage, and unfortunately, she passed away suddenly three years later. Yeah. And so she only had she only had borrowed fifty thousand. House is worth about six fifty. Son called me when it happened, and I said, "What do you want to do?" He goes, "Well, I live in situate, and I own a business, so I'm thinking of just keeping it. Can I just pay the bank back the fifty? Yep. Yeah. And so he kept the house. He paid yep. the bank back the fifty, but. Like you said, in most cases, the kids just list it for sale, and it, the process is exactly the same. Because it has a reverse mortgage on it doesn't change the way or what realtors they can choose and what the realtors get paid and how the process works. There's a sign that goes out front. There's open houses that happen. The buyer's attorney attains a payoff from the reverse mortgage bank, and at closing, they get satisfied, and the difference goes to the estate. Yeah. It's pretty simple. Um, if it's upside down, then there's, there's various options. Uh, and the kids can literally walk away if they want, and HUD will not um, allow the bank to apply a deficiency judgment against them on the credit report. You know, in other words, if, if, you're, if your parents had a reverse mortgage, right, and the balance is 500000 and they both pass away, and you look at the last statement, and it shows that uh, it's five hundred grand, and you get your, a realtor in there, and they say the most we can sell this for is four hundred. Well, it's upside down. Yeah. So do you really want to deal with the aggravation? No. 
Probably not. So you have the ability to call the bank and say, I understand this is a non-recourse loan. There's no money in it. It's upside down. We just want to, what, what are our options? And they're going to say there's three options. You can literally just walk away, hand the keys over. You can do a deed in lieu, which they'll send you some paperwork. You sign it and deed goes over to the bank. Uh, or you can do a short sale process, which involves you a little bit more. But all three options, whichever one you pick is equal to you. Zero liability, zero deficiency judgment. Just depends on how involved you want to be. No effect um, on credit. Sure. No effect on credit report for the for the beneficiary. That's really important. Nope. Yeah. It's, I mean, really. I mean, the key thing is that the, the personal liability disclosure signed at every closing. It basically just says that he or she shall have no liability with this mortgage debt. The debt satisfied by the home only. So if the home can't satisfy the debt, then. FHA satisfies the debt behind the scenes because they were paid a fee, a front insurance fee at closing. Uh, so the bank takes the money that the house sold for and it's short. And then after the loan closes, they then file a claim behind the scenes with FHA for the remaining money. And so that's, that's how it works. But no one who owns it has to get involved with that back and forth short sale type of a thing. Um, but I always, you know, there have been stories where people have saw it was a nightmare, the house is upside down and, you know, the bank was all over us, but you have to, you have to contact the bank right away. You can't kick the can down the road for a year and then start talking to the bank. So I always tell my client, if something happens to you, give your kids my business card and have them call me within a couple of weeks. Okay. Just so we can, I can give them guidance on what to do. Most, what usually happens, Alyssa, in, in the past is people do these transactions over the phone through a television ad, go into an Oklahoma call center, and then 15 years, 20 years goes by and that person passes away. And the person that helped them from Oklahoma is not around right. to give the state guidance. So if they had that guidance, now the kids are just confused. They're like, oh, mom did a reverse mortgage. What is this thing? And they're getting letters in the mail about call us. The loan is due. No one's calling. Then right. it goes into foreclosure. So it's not a loan where it's a disaster. You just have to be have to communicate. And that's why I'm always available for my clients' kids. Yeah. And I don't charge for that when they pass away. So <clears throat> most- it's really just confusion that has caused most of the problems. The kids thought their parents were going to leave a legacy behind. They didn't tell them they were getting a reverse mortgage. And they inherit this house and has a reverse mortgage on it. And what does everybody say? Oh, this reverse mortgage thing was a nightmare. Oh, um, yeah. So I mean, it's just confusing. most, most uh, people settling in a state are, you know, working, uh, you know, they have a full-time job. They have kids maybe at home or in college, like their life is busy anyway. And most people settling in the state for their parents have no idea what they're doing. <laughs> right. So, I mean, how many yeah. of them are actually attorneys or estate planning attorneys and, and know how to close the estate. So I, I meet a lot of uh, beneficiaries of estates and, um, and it's, it's a ton of work. It's a lot of confusion. And so, yeah, they're probably just, they don't know what to do and they're, they're right. They're just kicking the can down the road, not because they don't want to settle up, but because they just don't know what to do and for lack of guidance. So, um, yeah, work with someone local, work someone with someone you trust. These just, these transactions should never be done over the phone long distance because, uh, inevitably there's going to be an issue down the road when the, the house needs to be sold. Yeah. 
The, the biggest concern that I hear from people when I bring up the subject of a reverse mortgage is, oh, I've heard that they're expensive. And I, you know, I, number one, by far, I've heard that they're expensive. Yes, they're more expensive in terms of closing costs than a traditional mortgage or an equity line, certainly. But there, as you were just talking about, there is such a good reason for that upfront cost because no parent yeah. out there or aunt or uncle that is that is leaving their assets to someone there's not a parent out there that wants to leave a burden after their death right and so the fact right. that there is that insurance premium due upfront that covers the situation that you were just talking about where the home may be underwater at at mom or dad's death, I think that that is a perfectly good reason to pay that upfront premium so that there's that peace of mind for mom or dad taking out the reverse that my kids aren't going to be liable for anything if they are, if, if my mortgage exceeds the value of my property at my death. So when you, when right. I explain that to people, it is very comforting actually. Oh, okay. I, you yep. know, cause nobody wants to be a burden for any reason on their children. Now, if you, if you line yeah. up, here's the best way to explain it. So you take, people say, why are they expensive? Well, you, you can't compare it to anything because there's no other mortgage like it. That's why it's more expensive. Right. So if you take right. a regular mortgage, right, and then you take a, re- a reverse mortgage, put them right next to each other, and you say, okay, the regular mortgage, as we talked about, here's the terms of it, and here's your two choices. Which one do you think is going to be more expensive? you got a payment that's due the first on this one. After the 15th, the late fees charge. After the 30th, the credit score goes down. And if you miss three payments because you're in a hardship foreclosure time. The second one next to it, the reverse mortgage is, you can make payments or skip payments at any time and not be at risk of a late fee, your credit score going down, uh, or facing foreclosure. And you have full access to the money regardless of stock market crashes, global pandemics, yeah. housing market crashes. The line of credit goes up. You have full access to it. comes out income tax-free, grows income tax-free. And the government stands behind the debt if your parents outlive the loan. Which one's more expensive? Yeah, you could. I mean, you could actually. Yeah, it's could. obvious which one's more expensive. You're paying for all those benefits I just listed out, so of course it's more. Expensive. Right, but I could actually. I could actually. I mean, closing costs, yes, are higher for a reverse mortgage than other types of mortgages. But I could actually argue that a traditional mortgage is more expensive because you have to make a payment every month. <laughs> right, and with the reverse mortgage, there's I mean, if no. Someone, yeah. Someone sat you and I down, and we were buying a house, right, our first time. And they just said, hey, I have two options for you. You can do this mortgage that, again, the first, the 15th, late fee, blah, blah, blah. Or you can do this one where you can make payments whenever you want. You pick the due date every month. You can make a payment three times a year, once a year, every three years. Invent your own balloon payment if you want or never make a payment. Um, and everybody would do that mortgage and say, all right, I'll take this one. Because yeah. I'm pretty responsible. I'm going to make a payment. But if I hit a global pandemic or a stock market crash or lose my job or lose a spouse, I can pause my payments without having to call my bank and say, hey, can I go into forbearance for a little bit? Um, and so you're paying for that. I mean, it's just yeah. a safer, more responsible, again, not for everybody, but for retirees, it's safer when you're on a fixed income to have that. And again, the disclaimer is if you want to stay in your house long-term, your income is sufficient to cover your taxes, insurance, and utilities, just, you know, it's a safer, more responsible strategy, in my opinion, but it's more expensive. If you think about all those benefits, it's really a brilliant loan. Whoever yeah. invented it back in the minds of the think tank where they were saying, 
How do we design a mortgage for retirees where they can borrow, essentially sell their house and, and live in it? Because when you sell your house, you get cash, right? But you don't have the house anymore. Right. You basically stay in the house, get cash, and you don't have a mortgage payment. You don't get all the cash. You get 50, 45 to 70% of the cash, that, you know, whereas if you sold it, you get all the cash minus the, the commission right. or any liens you owe. So it's, it's really keep the house and get cash. Because um, that's how it feels to the homeowners. It's cash. It's income tax-free withdrawals because it's a loan. And there's just so many different ways to enhance either either retirement, like you said earlier, switch your traditional mortgages if you're in retirement and you want to stay in the house long-term to a reverse mortgage. And you know what? By all means, if you want to continue making the same payment just because, go ahead. It's okay. Yeah. But if things get bad and you want to start making payments, you can do that without any problem. Yeah. Um, all right, David, we're, we got to take a quick break. I'm talking with David Tortolot, Homestead Mortgages. He's a reverse mortgage professional, and we're talking about the ins and outs of reverse mortgages and um, appropriate ways to utilize them if uh, if they become a necessity for you or if you just want to. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed, McNamara on Money. We're just taking a quick break. We're back. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed, educating the investors and the homeowners of the South Shore and the Merrimack Valley this morning. I'm talking about income planning amidst an economic downturn and one of the ways to access income should you not have sufficient assets or income elsewhere is to take equity out of your home. So we are talking about reverse mortgages this morning. On the phone, I have with me David Tortolot of Homestead Mortgages. I've known David a very long time, knows his stuff. He is great about uh, educating people on the topic of reverse mortgages. Um, David, thanks so much for being with me. Before I forget and we run out of time, will you please give out your contact information for our listeners? Yes. Uh, best way is cell uh, 617-797-3277. Again, 617-797-3277 or on the web at homesteadreversemortgages.com. Great. Thank you so much. Um, so we've been talking about reverse mortgages and sort of where they're applicable and when they may be appropriate for people, obviously people over age 65, but just clarify for me, David, if there's a married couple and they differ in age, does one of them have to be over 60? I'm sorry, 62. Does one member of the couple have to be over 62 or both? Um, preferably both because then the only way you can be an actual borrower mortgage or is the correct term is to be 62. So if you want to be a borrower, of a reverse mortgage, you got to be age 62, meaning you're part of the mortgage. If you, let's take a couple of say 165 and 160, okay? You, they can do the reverse mortgage, but the borrower is going to be the 65-year-old. Okay. The 60-year-old is going to be what's called a non-borrowing spouse. And all that really means is because they're not age qualified, 62, they're not going to be able to, they're not a borrower, they're not in the mortgage. And so what happens is this, and these rules changed roughly five years ago. HUD made some changes because prior to those changes in that scenario, if the borrower passes away, the non-borrowing spouse was forced to sell the house back then. Yeah. Okay, they couldn't stay in the house because they weren't a borrower. Um, whereas, just to contrast that, if you have a 65-year-old couple, both 65, they're both borrowers. If one passes away, nothing happens to the loan because the other one is still alive and a borrower. So the loan's paid back when all borrowers no longer live in the property. But 
Now, what HUD changed, the change HUD made was they protect the non-borrowing spouses. So if that borrower passes away, the non-borrowing spouse does not have to sell the property so long as they can continue making the property taxes, keeping those current, the homeowner's insurance, and they're going to remain in the house. And they were married at the time of the closing. So... Can they um, can they continue to borrow the from the mortgage? Though? No, they can't. Okay, I was just going to say that no, yeah. because they're not a borrower. So if there was say a hundred and fifty thousand dollar line of credit left, yeah, when the borrower passes away, that line of credit is no longer available for the non borrower. The protection was just put in place. If they want to stay there, they can, but they just have to now, you know, or have to be able to keep the pro- keep up with the property charges. Okay, so the outstanding balance of the reverse could remain. And there wouldn't be a yep. traditional mortgage payment, but okay. Right. Um, all right. There's there's two things I want to discuss before we run out of time. One of them is uh, we have a caller, so we might have to delay this till after the caller. But I do want to touch on people that are looking to do a reverse and they're in a condo or some sort of a community. And the yep. other thing I want to touch on is people that do their estate planning and put their homes into irrevocable trusts and their ability or not to do a reverse mortgage. So I want to get to those, but we um, have a caller. So we're going to go to Jane from Plimpton first. Good morning, Jane. How are you? Hi, I'm fine. Thanks. How are you? Good. Thank you. What can we do for you? Good. All right, we have a couple of questions, actually. Um, wanted to know how uh, the compensation works for the reverse mortgages. So who's compensated, how they're compensated, a little bit more about those costs. Okay. And then, um, and then the second question, well, I can ask the second question would be more of, a, of an example of when we have a pretty high uh, mortgage. We've got a $300,000 mortgage. Our equity might be, say, about three hundred and fifty. But how would we uh, qualify to pay off um, that current mortgage, or can we continue to carry that? So we don't quite understand how that works. Oh, good questions. Okay, and we do want to get into costs. So, yeah, David, can you touch on her first question first? Absolutely. So you're referring to how we get paid, how I get paid, or anybody that does a reverse mortgage. So there's two ways. Um, So Alyssa and I have been talking about there's actually three costs. First cost is the upfront insurance fee. That's a set fee. That's 2% of the home value, the home's appraised value. So if you have a higher home value, you pay more costs on a reverse mortgage. You have a lower home value, you pay less cost. So that 2% fee is the HUD cost. How I get paid is there's also something called an origination fee. And that's also standardized by HUD. And so there's a formula they use against your home's value where they say, okay, if your home's... Jane, what do you think your home is worth, roughly? 650 650 Okay, so the, you'd have, you would have... I'll give you your... You know, as a hypothetical, I'll give you your cost based on your scenario if you were working with me. Your HUD insurance fee would be roughly $13,000, okay? And that's financed in. That's not out of your pocket. You don't come to closing with a check. It's rolled into the loan. The origination fee, this is a good question because it's going to be zero on your loan from me because I'm making commission on the size of your loan balance out of the gate. We're paying off a $350,000 mortgage. I'm compensated by the partner, my lender partner, for that fee. And since the balance is accruing interest, um, I get paid a commission so I don't have to charge you the origination fee. So I get paid in the back end. 
if you had no mortgage on your property, Jane, I would have to charge an origination fee and it would be $6,000. And that's capped by HUD. So um, that's a little technical, but you asked the question. So we get paid two ways, an origination fee. We don't always have to charge it. It depends on each person's circumstances, if they have a mortgage to pay off or not. And we get paid a commission on the back end. So we get paid two ways, but sometimes I get paid just the origination fee and no commission because we're not setting up the reverse mortgage to pay off any liens. We're just setting it up as a line of credit. But in your case, we're doing it, and most of the balance of the reverse mortgage is going to pay off your existing $350,000 mortgage, in which case I wouldn't have to charge you an origination fee because I'm getting paid enough from the lender. And then you have about 2500 to 3000 for the closing fees, like any refinance. An attorney does the title rundown, the recording, you know, 45 to 60 days worth of work on the file. Um, so that's how we get paid. Now, since your house is worth 650 on your second question, uh, if you don't mind me asking, are you the only homeowner or uh, is someone else? My husband and I. Okay. And who's the younger of you or your husband? I am, but only by about 10 months. Okay. And how old are you, if you don't mind me asking, James? So, he, well, he is the elder. He'll turn um, 62 in January. Okay. And you're 62 as well? I will be in November. So we have a little more time. Yeah. But I'm so, trying to plan, and he doesn't understand this, my spouse, and he doesn't trust it, and he yeah. wants to sit with the mortgage. And I think that this is yeah. a, a better opportunity to, to secure our opportunities to use money the way we want to use it. I, yeah, Jane, I think this is, a, this is a perfect example of where you will not be looking to take, you likely won't be looking to take much out of the home. But if this can position you to eliminate your mortgage payment, which is relatively substantial on a $300,000 mortgage and increase your standard of living and or decrease draw from, from your other assets, I think this is a great example of a use case of a reverse mortgage that's a little bit non-traditional. It can just improve your quality of life in retirement. It sounds like you're a year or two away, but it's great that you're doing some planning now. Right. Well, I think we should. Um, and your second question, I forget what the second question was, Jane. It was uh, how much would she qualify to pay? Okay. Three fifty, right? Is the balance, Jane? Right. Well, actually, so say the say the value is uh, at least six fifty, and yeah. then our current mortgage is actually three hundred. So we would have about okay. three hundred and fifty in equity. Yeah. So you know what? I mean, I don't have a calculator in front of me. I don't know if you do, Alyssa, but if I you do. Take 650 times, yep. 650 times 45%. Yep. It's um, 292000 It's almost the exact balance of the mortgage. Yeah. It's, it's about what you... Now, we do have to back costs out there and stuff like that, but you're, you're not doing it right away anyway, so by the time you decide whether or not you're going to do it, your mortgage balance will be paid down a little bit more anyway. So the benefit would look like this, Jane. You know, you qualify for just enough on the reverse mortgage to pay off your existing mortgage. Now my question to you is what is your monthly principal and interest payment? Not the full payment that includes escrow for taxes and insurance. Do you happen to know roughly what the principal and interest part of the payment is? What is our principal and interest? It's about... But that's thirty. It's thirty-three. But that's with everything rolled in. 
So let's just call it twenty. Let's call your escrow five hundred bucks a month just for taxes and insurance. I think that sounds close to it. Okay, so thirty three hundred. So you you would save if you did the twenty seven hundred dollars a month in cash flow, because what happens you're trading. You're transitioning your regular mortgage into a reverse mortgage, and a reverse mortgage does not have a monthly payment obligation. You and your husband will you'll, you won't be sending the check anymore for thirty three hundred dollars to that bank. However, you will take over the responsibility of paying the taxes and insurance going forward. So the five hundred extra dollars above the twenty seven hundred, you want to have you know, set up your own little escrow account and pay those taxes as they become due. So your net savings is $2,700 a month. And if you multiply that times 12, that'll give you what your annual income increase, if you want to look at it like that, or expense decrease um, would look like. So if $2,700 a month would be impactful to you, it's worth seriously considering. Again, it might not be the only option out there to consider but if you want to stay in your home long term and um you know you your income is sufficient to cover your property taxes and insurance now which they're being escrowed so you, that's, that's the case and it's worth considering or at least learning about go ahead jane do you have any other additional questions i was just going to ask david to add something to that no, no, I don't. Uh, not at this time. Okay. Um, uh, Jane, you can hang on if, if you want or you can drop off. But David, what I was going to ask you to add to that is this is a good example where you could illustrate. So can you talk about, David, first of all, the the how how the mortgage balance, so she would immediately have an, a mortgage balance of about 300000 right? If she were to transition her traditional mortgage to a reverse, she would immediately have a reverse of 300000 Jane dropped off, but David, I'll just ask you to elaborate. Talk to me about the, how that balance grows because it's a reverse mortgage, not a traditional where the balance decreases with payments. The balance actually grows and what the interest rate on that. But then also, David, if you could just touch on right now, uh, Jane and her husband didn't have an ability to access more equity, but... I don't know if I'm going to be using the correct terminology, but something about how her, their ability to access equity actually grows over time with a reverse because of a, because they're getting older and because of assumed real estate property appreciation. Oh, did we lose David too? I, I'm, no, I'm Oh, not. David's still here. Okay, okay. We lost Jane, but I just wondered if you could touch on those two things. Yeah, I don't know if I got the first thing because I did. I get disconnected too. Oh. And I called back, but I got the I got the second thing, which was. You know, will it, will the remaining equity grow? Because it, you know, but well, and here's the answer to that. Oh, go ahead. The first the first question to. was the first question was illustrating the difference between a reverse and a forward mortgage, where Jane and, me, and her okay. husband immediately have a three hundred thousand uh, dollar balance on their reverse, like just like now how they have a three hundred thousand dollar balance on their traditional. But over time, with a traditional mortgage, yeah. the balance decreases with payments. But with a reverse right. mortgage, your balance actually increases over time because most people aren't, or I, I think most people aren't paying it down. Their balance is growing over time with interest. So just illustrating That's the difference and how much that grows by what the interest rate is. And then sort of yeah. touching on, you know, you and I have had discussions about how actually over time abilities, someone's ability to access the equity or the amount of equity available to them in a reverse grows over time, yeah. right? Okay. That's correct. But there won't be any equity. There won't be any reverse mortgage loan left to grow. Okay. Using it all to pay off. 
So in that okay. case, because they're, you know, what they qualify for is that 297 number, that's just enough to pay off the reverse mortgage, leaving no money left to grow. Okay, got that. it. Okay, so uh, in Jane's situation... So question, okay, yep. And on the first question, um, yeah, so what I would do is I would show them an amortization schedule which shows them, okay, here's your loan balance now as a reverse mortgage, call it, you know, $310,000 or something like that. Okay, one year later, what would that have deferred to? Because mortgage, reverse mortgages defer interest because you're not paying it. So it's just added at an annual rate, but it's added monthly. Uh, just like we pay a regular mortgage payment monthly, we make interest payments monthly, but it's against an annual rate. So over time, I could show them, you know, as far out as their life expectancy, and it would give them an idea of what that loan balance would grow to and at what point in time, you know, tweaking the numbers of appreciation on the home annually, uh, playing with the interest rate, at what point in time would the equity, equity remaining equity in the house be exhausted? Right. So, so traditional mortgages right now, let's, what's an average interest rate on a traditional 4%? What, how does that compare with the interest rate on a reverse mortgage? Well, they're really low too, because on reverse mortgages, 99% of the transactions done nationwide run off of an annually adjusting interest rate. Um, there are heck of, there are reverse mortgage fixed loans, but and these people might be perfect candidates for a fixed rate because all of the money is is um, going to pay off a mortgage almost exactly. So yeah. they might we would certainly see an option for a fixed rate. The fixed rate right now is about four and a quarter. Okay, um, on a fixed rate reverse mortgage, and on the annually adjusting right now it's about three point one percent because it. There's a margin, not to get too technical, and then there's an index. Uh, it's an annual LIBOR index. So, um, so you know, I would obviously show them the two options. Um, you know, either case, the fixed rate loan is a it ends at closing. I mean, all the money's being dispersed. It's the rates fixed for the remainder of the loan. Okay, there's no money left in the future. Now, if they chose to pick the line of credit option, Alyssa. If they wanted to make payments, let's just say, let's say they, they wanted to make six payments a year, you know, and, and, and maybe bank some money, build up a little bit of an emergency reserve um, by not having the payments anymore, be responsible with it. So every payment you send back to a reverse mortgage line of or, um, variable option, it just, it, it really just adds to a line of credit. It creates a line of credit for them. So... If they sent, let's just say they sent, two, you know, twenty thousand dollars worth of payments in one year, okay, and so on their statement they would see this line of credit of twenty thousand because they sent money back using the adjustable rate reverse mortgage, and every dollar you send back to an adjustable rate reverse mortgage becomes available in a line of credit in the future, and that begins to grow. Okay. So to answer your question earlier. If they went with that option over the fixed and made payments or maybe came into an inheritance and they sent a lump sum to the reverse mortgage, all of that money they send back is available for them in the future if they want to access it from their line of credit. Only if they do, so a, vari only if they do a variable rate? The variable rate, yeah. Okay. And so, you know, they would ask me which one would I do usually is what they say. And I would say, well, do you plan on making payments? 
And then other questions would be, do you have any retirement savings? Do you have an emergency reserve account? Do you, so okay. there'd be a lot of other questions to determine which one I would pick a fixed over an annually adjustable. Okay, you know, That could be used as a strategy for them. What I take from that answer is that um, interest rates closely follow traditional mortgage interest rates. It sounds like yeah, they're they pretty do. close. And it's not, so pe- people will say, oh, reverse mortgages are expensive, but they're not expensive in terms of an exorbitant interest rate. They, it sounds like they're closely no. following traditional interest rates. But as we talked about, the, the my explanation of why reverse mortgages are more expensive is because of that upfront insurance premium, largely, that protects your heirs if your home is underwater uh, when, at your death, which I think is a perfectly good reason for that extra cost. Um, David, yeah. we, we only have like, I don't know, six or seven more minutes. I just want to make sure we can touch on um, the people that are in condos or communities and their uh, more limited ability to draw from a reverse mortgage if they, if they would like to. Yeah, no good question. So when, if you live in a single family home or a multifamily home, those, you don't have to have, it's an FHA loan. So those dwellings or properties don't have to be approved by FHA. If you live in a condominium complex or a community, a 55 plus community, and you're looking to do a reverse mortgage, well, FHA requires some checks and balances with the complex. They want to check some things out like, let me see a P&L. Let me see your reserves. Yeah. Uh, if something goes wrong with this building over here and there's a roof leak, are there sufficient reserves? Because FHA is backing that dwelling, that one condo unit, within that complex. So they have to make sure that the complex... Right. Is sufficient insurance, sufficient reserves. It's really just providing paperwork that they have all electronically and the management company supplies it. And then there's an approval put in place. And then anybody inside the complex can apply for a reverse mortgage. But if some, in some cases, Alyssa, they're already approved. So if someone calls me up and said, yeah, I live in Elmswood over in East Bridgewater, well, I could look up on the FHA approved list and see, oh, it's already approved. So they can just apply for reverse mortgage without any problem. Um, if it's not on the FHA condo approval list, then the, I, the conversation goes something like this. You might want to chat with the management company person to see if they're open to getting the complex FHA approved. Yeah. Um, and it's not a, no sense. From what I understand, it's not a big deal to get a complex approved. It's just a little bit of a pain for either the management company or the condo association board or whatever. Um, and there's like, is there a small annual cost to maintain approval no, with HUD? It's, it's, oh. it's one up time upfront fee of $250. Oh. And that can't, that cannot be paid by the borrower. Oh. It can only be paid by either the management company or me. Um, and okay. so there's usually a conversation in be- between us. If I have a, if the person calls back and said, yeah, I just talked to the manager and they said they're open to doing it, I would probably contact them and, you know, see if it makes sense for Homestead to pay for it. Cause maybe there'll be other business coming from that. Uh, or is the management company okay paying the $250 fee? And what I do is I position a middle person that works for the lender partner I work for that just specializes in an FHA approval. So they know exactly what to get from the, um, the management company is a list of documents, a quick questionnaire, okay. and they package up the deal and send it to FHA and HUD. So there's a middle person and that's who gets the $250 fee. 
but that's not paid until it's approved. And she pre-qualifies the complex to make sure it even makes sense to proceed with the approval. So that's how that works. I mean, so yes, there are um, more hoops to jump through if it's not approved and someone wants to get a, a reverse mortgage in a condominium complex. So David, well, last question, two minutes or less. Can someone do a reverse mortgage if they have put their home into an irrevocable trust to protect it from nursing home costs? Yes, it can. If it has to be structured properly, though, because I have, I I know of one attorney that knows how to draft an irrevocable trust because I connected her with the legal department at my lender partner. They went back and forth with her template, and they come up with a way to do an irrevocable trust. Um, I'm not an attorney, so I don't know logistically the verbiage within those trusts, but yes, it can be done. But I will say this, 90% of the people that call and say my home's already in an irrevocable trust, um, and they say they did it 10, 15 years ago, 99% chance it's not going to work. Right. Um, They sort of have to... That attorney... As you and I have talked about, they, they would have to do the trust, they would have to draft the trust sort of at the same time that they're considering the reverse mortgage to ensure that the language yeah. in the trust complies, right? Or qualifies exactly. them for reverse. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So so sort of can be done, but um, if you've already done the trust, then maybe not. So something to consider if people are doing their estate planning and maybe will need to access equity in their home in the future in the form of a reverse. And if they're doing estate planning, maybe have those conversations simultaneously to ensure that both options yeah. are available to you. Okay. Basically attorneys out there, elder law attorneys that understand, you know, when they're doing an estate plan and they know about reverse mortgages, they'll keep sort of a, a back door within the irrevocable trust to say, Hey, I've structured this so that if you ever decide to access equity with a reverse mortgage, you'll be able to based on how I've designed this trust. Okay. But that's pretty rare. Like you said, it's usually done um, as part of the transaction. Okay. But it, you know, I'm sure that more and more trusts out there will be designed uh, in this way because more and more seniors are looking to access equity with a reverse mortgage. So I think in years to come, I think more and more elder law attorneys will be pervy to that information and structuring it right away, even if they're not doing a reverse mortgage right now. I think you're right. And I, as we talked about earlier on the show, I think reverse mortgages will continue to gain in popularity. They are a great solution for someone who does not have sufficient assets to fund their retirement, or maybe they were forced into retirement earlier than they thought, you know, with real estate properties, uh, real estate values being where they are in this area of the world. Someone's piece of real estate is such a significant uh, portion of their net worth. So I think that there will come a time or there's, this already is a time, but people will just inevitably have to access equity in their home if they haven't been able to accumulate sufficient assets or if they, or if they just want to improve quality of life and they're okay spending some of the equity in their home. So I think they will continue to appreciate or gain in popularity, I should say. All right. So David Tortolat uh, with Homestead Mortgages, thank you so much for being here with me via phone. Uh, Your contact info one more time as we wrap up. Yeah, uh, 617-797-3277. Again, 617-797-3277 or homesteadreversemortgages.com. 
Thank you, Alyssa. I appreciate it. You're welcome, David. Thank you so much. Have a great weekend. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. You're listening to McNamara on Money. You can find our podcast on your podcast app. Search McNamara on Money. And you can find out more about us at McNamaraFinancial.com. Have a great weekend, everybody. Bye-bye. 